You know, we just sang, this is my testimony, I'll testify. And uh, what is a testimony? What does it mean to testify? What does it mean to um, give a testimony? In a law court, a witness is called to give their firsthand knowledge of a fact or an event, usually about very important matters. They raise their hand and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And so a testimony is a truthful statement made under oath where the facts are verbally given to a person, a situation, an event. My simple definition of testimony or testify is to act is to factually and truthfully tell what you saw, it's to tell what you know. Uh, the Israelites in the wilderness, they carried around a little box called the Ark of the Covenant, and in it were the Ten Commandments. And it's interesting that the Ark of the Covenant was also called the Ark of Testimony. And it was because in that box, there was the declaration of God and His love for the Israelites and for the children of Israel. The Bible itself contains the Old and New Testament, but you could really call it the Old and New Testimony because it's about God and His love, and it shows who God was in the Old Testament. It shows our sin, and it shows Him bringing us into a, a new testimony of how Jesus has saved us. And our focus this morning is the opportunity we have for us to give testimony about God and His love. I asked you earlier, do you have your testimony ready? Are you ready to testify? Uh, when I was a kid, uh, in our youth service, we used to have popcorn testimony services. Anybody ever in a popcorn testimony service? Okay, the, the, these are older Christians. <laughs> and in a, in a meeting like this, you would be expected at a moment's notice if somebody turned around and said, Pastor Matt, give a testimony. And you would have to get up, you would have to give a testimony, and then you would turn and say, Keith, your turn, give a testimony. And it went around like that. You had to be ready to give a testimony. Do you have yours ready? How many think we ought to require every person in the room to have their testimony ready to get out of the door? Do you know what you're going to say? Some of you are squirming. I can, I can feel this. Look with me at Luke 21, verses 10 to 19, and then 34 to 36. Luke 21, beginning at verse 10. It says, then Jesus continued by saying to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there'll be great earthquakes and in various places plagues and famines. There will be tares and great signs from heaven, but before all these things, they will lay hands, their hands on you and will persecute you, delivering you to the synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. It will lead, look at verse 13, if you remember anything, it will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. So make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves. 
Some of us, we like to have the last word. We always want to defend ourselves. So make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves, for I will give you utterance and wisdom which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. But you will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all on account of my name. Yet not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Let's skip down to verse 34. Be on guard that your hearts may not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. And that day come on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of the earth. But keep on the alert at all times, praying in order that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Lord, we thank you for your word. Speak it deep into our hearts today. And it's in your Son's strong name we pray in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. amen. You know, here Jesus talks about things to come. And when you read it, it's a description of a lot of bad stuff. Nations against nations, earthquakes, plagues, famines, persecution, imprisonment, Christians standing before authorities, kings and governors, families turning against one another, Christians hated by all for being a follower of Jesus, people fainting from fear. How many think that's a pretty good description of bad stuff? See, but the problem is, it's like the news from last week. It's like where we're currently living. We heard about the Taliban going from house to house to house looking for Christians to kill. We heard of women being killed because they weren't going to wear a burqa. We heard about earthquakes. We heard about hurricanes. We heard about Ida. Over a million people at one time not having electric. I mean, ladies, what would, my, my wife would not be able to leave the house because she wouldn't have a curling iron or a hair dryer. Those of you online, my wife just said, he's in trouble. <laughs> Many have been without water, without food. Wednesday, there were tornadoes all up the east coast of the United States. I've never heard of a tornado in New York City until this week. Brooklyn and the Bronx had unheard of flooding. Out west, we've had wildfires burn hundreds of thousands of acres and thousands of homes being destroyed. I, I watched as they, as they showed us grown men sitting and crying, and one man said, all I've got are the clothes that I'm wearing. Everything else is gone. Closer to home, we now have our own worm. Some of you have said, this worm came through and ate my whole yard. There's nothing left but stubble. Pastor Sarah this week lost her grandfather. 
Our college, Southeastern University, had one of our students killed in a car accident on Interstate 71. Ruth Bischoff, one of our ladies in the church that's been with us for years, had a car accident and broke her sternum, broke her hand after delivering food to Pastor Chris and Rachel. Over the past couple weeks, we've had a number from our church experience what I call plagues. We've had more in the hospital over the plague in the last month than we've had in the last 18 months. Pastor Chris and our daughter Jamie were both in the hospital at the same time with COVID. Pastor Chris was in the COVID ICU unit for almost a week. He's lost 25 pounds. Let me tell you, folks, there's easier ways to lose 25 pounds. I sat next to his bed when he was too weak to open his eyes to look at me. He, he didn't have the energy to do that. He struggled to breathe. You say, well, is that a plague? I don't know. I call it a plague. It's a plague in our family. How do we respond to such things in our lives? Do we come away saying, where is God? Why wasn't, why wasn't God here to intervene? Doesn't God care when my kids are so sick? If God was real, he wouldn't let this happen in my life. Why does God let people suffer? I want you to know what I come away saying. I come away saying God is still so, so good. Amen. Pastor Chris says that all the time. You think about things that people say, things that people do when you know, their lives are literally hanging in the balance. And he says all the time as he's preaching, God is so, so good. And I affirm to you this morning, God is so, so good. I have a place prepared for me in heaven. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm an alien. I'm a stranger here. This is temporary. See, that's how Jesus could say in verse 18, yet not a hair of your head will perish. I'll guarantee you, a lot of us are going to lose our hair here. But we're not going to lose it in heaven because our hair is eternal in the heavens. Job, after losing his 10 children, after losing his vast wealth, he said, even if God were to kill me, I still trust in him. God is so, so good. That is my testimony to you today. And even if I get killed by the plague, starved by the pestilence, eaten by the worm, a tornado blows me away, I still have eternal life in Jesus. Yeah, let's praise him for a moment. Hallelujah. 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 This is not what it is. We're eternal in the heavens. See, what was Jesus' conclusion? Was it gloom, agony, despair on me? If I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all? It wasn't his conclusion. His conclusion was, in all of this, it gives me opportunity to share my testimony. 
Jesus says such things will lead to us having an opportunity to give our testimony. I guarantee you when Pastor Chris is able to come back to us, and I want you to know today he's doing great. He's doing great. You know, he's expressed that after about uh, close to 21 days, you lose all your muscles. And a walk to the mailbox and back, you know, that, that sort of wipes him out. But I guarantee you he's going to come back and he's going to share his testimony. He's going to share what the Lord has shown him. He's going to share what the Lord has done in his life. He's going to share about how good, how good God is. Tears streaming down his cheeks. He's going to talk about God being so, so good. When he was sick, I'd sit next to his bed and I would pray and I would worship and his eyes still shut, still too weak. He would start saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What was he doing? He wasn't able to give a loud one, but he was able to give his testimony. Here's an important fact. The life of a follower of Jesus is about our testimony. The life of a follower of Jesus is about our testimony. See, nothing else in life really matters except our giving testimony of how much Jesus loves us and how he's changed us. And when people hear your testimony of the goodness of Jesus in the bad times, it makes them con consider him for themselves. Dick Brogdon, one of our missionary statesmen, he says, we need more of us to die as martyrs because the world will only believe that Jesus is real and that he matters is if we're willing to give our lives for him. Because if you won't give your life for Jesus, he must not really be what you talk him up to be. And so when you look at everything that's going on in our world today, all the bad stuff, you go through that list that I just gave you, and you come away saying, Jesus is still so, so good. It causes people around you to say, hmm, maybe there's something to this. What is your testimony? Is it that life is so, so hard? Nothing ever goes right. I go from this hard thing to that hard thing to this hard thing to that hard thing. Is that your testimony? I pray that you move from that testimony to that God is so, so good. See, our lives are not about our things, our pleasures, and our pursuits. Our lives are about our testimonies. They're about us talking about what Jesus has done for us, talking about his goodness and how the Lord has saved us and how he's healed us and how he's forgiven us and how he's filled us and how he's made us whole. That's what life is about. In the verses that we've read, Jesus talks about our opponents and being hated by our families. In case you don't know it yet, not everyone will want to follow Jesus as you need to as you want to. People in your own family, Jesus says here, will think you've gone crazy. All this bad stuff's happening, and you're talking about how good Jesus is. You ever been around people like that? The wheels have fallen off the car, and they get out and go, oh, <laughs> praise the Lord. 
Yeah. <laughs> They'll think you've gone nuts. You're not going to be greater than your Lord. They're going to think you've gone nuts because Jesus' family showed up thinking he'd gone nuts. It says they were, they were ready to take possession or control of him because they thought he'd gone nuts. What do you do with being hated? You keep your eyes on Jesus and you keep giving your testimony. Jesus is so, so good. Paul stood before King Agrippa and he gave his testimony and Agrippa said, you're on the verge of making me become a Christian. But he also said, I, you know, I think you've almost gone nuts. What do we do? We keep telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You testify as to what you've seen in Jesus. In our text, it says, if you endure, you'll gain your life. When we lay our lives down in this life, we take them up. In the next, Hebrews 11, the, he, the faith chapter, it talks about those who were tortured, mocked, scourged, chained, imprisoned, stoned, even sawn in two. History tells us that Isaiah was trying to escape. He crawled into a log, and so they just took a saw and sawed the log and him in half. Our lives are about our testimony. Hebrews 11 says, those people still speak to us. I had, I had a little problem with one of the lines in one of those songs that said, uh, if I'm not dead, you're not done. It implied when you're dead, you're done. You're not done when you're dead. You know what? You've been given your testimony. It keeps on giving and giving and giving again. Jesus says, before the bad days come, make up your mind that you're not going to defend yourself. Don't try to talk your way out of persecution. Don't try to talk your way out of being ostracized by your family or friends. Don't justify yourself. Don't talk your way around who you are in Jesus. What do we do beforehand then? If we don't, if we don't prepare to defend ourselves, what do we do beforehand? We get our testimony ready. Verse 15, Jesus said, I'll give you wisdom and utterance which none of your opponents will be able to refute. Don't get your defense ready. Get your testimony ready. What else do we do for these bad times? Verse 33 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Jesus says, remember, God's words won't pass away. You know what we need to do as we see more and more bad things? We need to get more and more of the word in us. We need to get more and more of who God is and who Jesus is and what they've done for us and how the Holy Spirit is in us and filling us. Every day, we need to be spending time in God's Word. And don't spend all your time in Leviticus and Lamentations. Didn't Pastor David do a great job in Lamentations last week? He did it so it was encouraging. But Lamentations means lament. Don't spend your time lamenting. Remember, He'll never leave us or forsake us. Jesus is with us always, even to the end. Jesus said it, it's so. God's words will not fall short. Look at verse 34, Luke 21, 34. Be on guard that your hearts not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life, and that day come on you suddenly like a trap. Jesus says, stay alert and be on guard. He says, don't let dissipation get you. How many use the word dissipation this week? 
Not many of you. Dissipation is to squander our money, our energy, our time, our resources. Don't be wasteful with what God has put in your hand that you get to use. The more you see bad times, the more you ought to get your bills paid off. The more you ought to be careful with your time, your talents. Not long ago, somebody asked me to do something in the community that didn't allow for a presentation of the gospel. I declined. How many know Pastor Dave doesn't decline many things if he's asked to help? You know, I'm just, I'm just there to help. I told him I wasn't going to help. Um, they wanted to know why I wasn't going to help. And I told them that a non-Christian could do those things, but a non-Christian can't give a testimony. I need to be over here giving my testimony, not doing those things that, that a non-Christian can do, because only I can give a testimony. Only I can do what a Christian can do. Let me encourage you, don't go mulch the park unless you get to give your testimony. How many understand what I'm talking about? Jesus goes on and says, don't get drunk. Drunkenness is to medicate yourself so you won't feel, so you won't hurt. I like the old TV show, Blue Bloods. The only thing I don't really like is every, after every event in that, they go and they drink. Some terrible event as a police officer, they have to have a drink. Some terrible event as an ADA, they have to go have a drink. Jesus says, don't do that. We need to be people who feel what's going on. We know what's going on so that when we feel the pressure, we start giving our testimony. What do we do instead? Don't get drunk with wine, for that's dissipation, that's waste, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing, and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's what you do instead of getting drunk. And if you feel like, I need to have a drink right now, no, no, no. You need to go pray in tongues for a while. Come on. It's what the Word says. We need to be able to feel what the world's feeling so we can share our testimony. The priests in the Old Testament were never allowed to consume alcohol. And the reason was they represented the people to God and God to the people. And if you get a little tipsy, you're not able to do that job. And somebody might miss heaven because you're a little tipsy. Poke the guy next to you. No, don't do that. <laughs> See, we can't get drunk and have our senses dulled. We are New Testament priests. No, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to be that important. You know what? You're that important because somebody might miss heaven if you don't do your job. You're that important. Jesus said, don't get weighted down with worries. Most of the stuff we worry about isn't worth worrying about. Psychologists, sociologists tell us that 94% of the stuff you worry about will never happen. So don't sweat it. Peter said, casting all your care on him so that he can care for you. It, that literally means you let the Lord do your worrying. So don't worry. Verse 36, keep on the alert at all times. I recently was given a motorcycle. Uh, I still had my license from younger years. I'm enjoying riding again. But there's one thing I'd forgotten about riding a motorcycle. Every second you're riding a motorcycle, you have to be thinking about that numbskull that's trying to kill you. Some of you fit that numbskull thing. Because you don't look out for motorcycles. 
And so every moment I'm riding my motorcycle, I'm, I'm thinking, is that guy going to turn in front of me? Is that guy going to jam on his brakes? Is that guy next to me going to pull over and wipe me out? I'm thinking every second, can't let up for one second. And that's what Jesus is saying about the times we live in. Being a Christian is like riding a motorcycle in traffic. You have to pay attention. You have to be watching what is going on around you, and you have to watch what you're doing. Verse 36, praying in order that you may have strength to escape. All these things that are about to take place, Jesus says pray for strength. The best way to pray for strength is what I said earlier. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Jude, verse 20, says praying in the Holy Spirit, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Why is it important for you to be a Pentecostal and pray in the Spirit? Because it's like a battery charger. I got these wonderful uh, drills and saws, and they take a battery, but if the battery's not charged, they're worthless. You can't tell what you saw unless your battery's charged. You can't give your testimony unless your battery is charged. Wednesday night, when the whole church prayed together at 7 p.m., strength was released. Can I give you one more thought? I got one minute, and then I'm five minutes too long. <laughs> Verse 36, the last part, says to stand before the Son of Man. If we stand before men during these bad times and take the opportunity to share our testimony, we are going to stand before Jesus. Uh, do you look forward to that? I look forward to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who was and is and is to come. I look forward to him taking the, his golden scepter and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'm going to make you ruler over a lot. See, I look forward to that. There's a song that our girls' ministries have often played at our honor star crownings. You may wonder why I have a purple heart on you know, some of you have said, you weren't in the military, you didn't get shot, because you're in a purple heart when you get shot. I've been shot a lot of times as pastor of this church. Couldn't find my crown, but... And uh, trophies, plaques for accomplishments. I'm sorry the dust is on those. When we stand before the Lord, we've gone through the bad things. We've given our testimony. You know what's going to happen? There's going to be medals, crowns, trophies. And uh, listen to these words. So unworthy am I to make a glorious entrance to the great eternal kingdom of my Lord. There are medals crowns and trophies waiting in the presence of the only one worthy of rewards. To think that he would give to me trophies of my own, what shall I do when I bow before his throne? I won't hang my crown on the wall of my mansion. I won't pin my robe with medals for everyone to see. I'll just lay my trophy at the highest place in heaven when I lay them at the Savior's feet to bow before my Lord in majesty and glory.
to see him for the first time face to face, to stand before the one who was crucified to save me, and to thank him for his mercy, love, and grace. But the greatest thing of all to me is to kneel before his throne and to offer him everything I own. I won't hang my crown on the wall of my mansion. I won't pin my robe with medals for everyone to see. I'll just lay my trophy at the highest place in heaven when I lay them at the Savior's feet. At his feet I'll lay them down when I receive my robe and crown. So worthy is the Lamb. So here's my trophy, here's my crown. I'll just lay my trophy at the highest place of heaven when I lay them at the Savior's feet. Do you see your life as a testimony? If you don't think of your life as a testimony and you're still consumed with stuff and pleasures and things, Today, I, I, I pray that you change your focus. From that, you change your focus to living your life to testify to the goodness and the grace of the Lord Jesus. Good times, bad times. Any time's an opportunity to give your testimony. As we conclude the, the preaching part of the service today, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you to know there's not a better thing you can do than to say, Lord, I will I lay my life before you, and I ask you to take control. Because when you do that, in the good times and the bad times, you've still got the good. You've still got his love. You've still got his goodness. You've still got his grace. You've still got his mercy. Let me just ask you, everybody looking around, I'm not going to have everybody bow your head, and, but today you would say, I... I've not really had Jesus in my life, and I want Jesus in my life today. I need Jesus in my life today. I need him to forgive me. I need him to fix me. He's not going to fix all the junk around you. He's not going to take away the earthquakes. He's not going to take away the hurricanes. He's not going to remove that, but he's going to give you something in the middle of your hurricane that you can come away saying, God is so, so good. Today you'd say, I need, I need Jesus in my life. Would you just lift your hand up real boldly? Real boldly. Jesus called people publicly. He said, come and follow me. Anyone today that you would publicly say, my life's not been working to this point. Everything seems bad, and, and, and I, need, I need a new testimony. I need a testimony that he's so, so good. If you're online... I want to encourage you, give your heart to Jesus today. Pastor David told me, be careful what you watch, be careful what you listen to, be careful what you talk about so that you savor the presence of Jesus in your life. Have a great week. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend. We'll see you again soon.